Welcome to the Select Radio Podcast brought to you by Select International, a PSI company. I'm Amber Tipton, your host, and I am here with two members of our consulting team here at Select, and they've both been on the podcast before, but just in case you haven't had a chance to listen to their respective episodes, I'll have them introduce themselves and tell us a little about what they do here and maybe their background, whatever they want to talk about, really. So first up, uh, Dr. Jacqueline Menendez. Hello, Jacqueline. Good. It's good to see your face. We don't usually see each other's faces because you're usually in uh, Colorado. Yes, that's true. This is only my second time out to the select headquarters this year. Wow. Yeah, it's good to have you here. So tell us uh, your title maybe and kind of what you do here. Sure. So I'm a consultant here at Select on Team Jarrett. we will be speaking to Jared of Team Jared momentarily, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm on Stephen's team and we uh, do a lot of consulting for automotive groups, auto manufacturing, uh, things like that. Awesome, thank you. And Dr. Stephen Jarrett, take it away, Stephen. Yeah, no, no problem. Never quite get used to being introduced as doctor. I'm not a real doctor, but uh, um, <laughs> close enough. Consulting manager. Uh, as Jacqueline mentioned, I, I manage a team here. I've been a consultant of some regard for about six years here at Select International. In that time, I've done a plethora of interview trainings, uh, a lot of interviews uh, where I've been interviewing people, and every once in a while, I've been interviewed myself. Not not any time recently, don't worry. <laughs> Everybody was clutching their pearls. <laughs> like, oh my God, Stephen! <laughs> I hope not recently. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Um, so this will be my last podcast. <laughs> no, no, it won't. <laughs> Even if you leave us, you'll come back as a guest, an esteemed guest. Um, okay, so today we're going to be talking about interviews, the most ubiquitous part of the hiring process. As Stephen said, I told him I wasn't going to say the word ubiquitous, but it's pretty good. It's like a 50 cent word. So let's go with that. Um, but before we get into that, Jacqueline's favorite part, I think, is the snack time. I was curious about snacks. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I brought, um, I like to call them uh, delicacies from Erie County, Pennsylvania. It's where I'm from. And um, hold on a second. I'm going to really crinkle this up. So it's called sponge candy. And I think there's sponge candy in like the Buffalo area also, but I don't think they cover theirs in chocolate. In Erie, we cover ours ours in chocolate. And it's like the only place where you can get it. I was up there last week. I brought some back. And hopefully it survived the humidity and it's not like, it's kind of crispy in the middle. So if it's not crispy in the middle, I'll get you another one. (laughs) Just FYI. I also have two different, (laughs) there's also a sponge candy war. Now, if you want to have fun, we can do a taste test where you taste one of each and you tell me which one you like better. Yes, please. Um, There's a little bit of a rivalry, I think, back home. And there's a rivalry in my family. My sister likes one better than the other, and I like the other one better than the other. We almost had a rumble. Is this purely a taste test? I mean, we don't even have to do the taste test, but I think Jacqueline's into it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Jacqueline took her first bite. Is it crispy in the middle? Mm Mm-hmm. It's very airy. Mm Delicious chocolate. Mm -hmm. I'm quite pleased so far. Is yours crispy in the middle? Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes the humidity, like, even though they were in plastic sealed bags, sometimes the humidity gets to them. Can I get the other one? Yeah. Oh. This is a much more pleasant experience. Do you remember which one was which? I think that one was this one. Mm-hmm. I told you my sister's wrong about everything. <laughs> this is your favorite? That's my favorite. It's 
It's just all around more better, pleasant. right? It's well, there seems to be more sponge. There's a there's a higher sponge to chocolate ratio. That's why. As mm-hmm. opposed to the other one, which has a much higher chocolate to sponge ratio, which is fine and good, but if you're gonna make a sponge candy, right? So we're all in agreement. I, I mean, I'm agreed. Now, I will say, I'm not a huge fan of either of them. <laughs> okay. But we all but know you have a food problem. Well, no, no. I like the fruity stuff, which we talked about. Right, I like right. The fruity candies. I'm mm-hmm. always like a Skittles, Starburst. You know, I don't have anything against chocolate. No. But, but you're definitely a, the fruity representer in this room. Yeah. Do you have a preference between the fruity stuff and the chocolate stuff? I like all of it so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. And I like this quite a bit. Kind of reminds me of a Whopper, but less terrifying to bite down on and more practical. So more accessible. Like like a caramel. I'm pretty sure it's probably like sponge sugar, like sponge sugar ish. I don't know how they make it, but all right. Excellent choice. Yeah, they were all in agreement that that one is better. We we enjoy the Stefanelli's better than the Romolo. Stefanelli's, contact us if you'd like to. Advertising spot. And I just have to say this. My sister prefers the Romolo, so we always get bags of sponge candy at Christmas or, you know, whatever. And it's always Romolo because that's what my sister prefers and nobody wants to make two trips to, like, two different stores. So guess who just always gets, like, the... Subpar sponge candy? Yes. Me. It's very cathartic for you. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I, had a, I had another taste test <laughs> between me and some friends of mine who are not who are from here, so they've never had it either. And they all preferred the Stefanelli's too. And my entire family, like, ganged up on me. Like, they're wrong. You're wrong. It's absolutely wrong. I'm like, You've well... vindicated. Yeah. Five out of five Pittsburghers. Well, you're not a Pittsburgher, and neither are you, technically. <laughs> five out of five people who currently... Wait, no. Five out of five people that Amber knows that aren't from Erie <laughs> agree Stefanelli's is the better sponge candy. That's a convincing statistic. Right <laughs> absolutely. There. Absolutely. I agree. For a group who works a lot of statistics, that one's kind of unbeatable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we should start talking about interviews. We're going to talk about it a little bit from the candidate perspective, which is going to be Stephen, and the employer perspective, which is going to be Jacqueline. Um, we're kind of flying loose here. We don't, <laughs> we don't have a strict format to follow. So I think we're just going to talk a little bit about, um, interviewing in general and tips and tricks and, um, what employers might think about and what candidates should think about during that process. Yeah. So before, you know, before we kind of jump into some of the tips and tricks and just to give some, some background for those of you who, you know, if you've been in a hiring process, if you've hired anyone, if you've ever applied for a job, you've probably been associated with an interview because it is the, the, the most common part of a selection process, maybe besides the application. It's been long studied in the research of IO psychology, anywhere from how long does it take to uh, for people to make a decision. So, you know, a lot of the research shows that often people make a decision within 30 seconds or so. Not very, uh, not great to hear from the candidate perspective. Um, that was particularly true when a lot of the interviews were unstructured interviews. Unstructured interviews, meaning they didn't have a lot of form to them. The the hiring manager or the the interviewer had a lot of discretion on the questions that they used. They could ask any questions that they want. They usually a little bit more informal of a style of interview. Oh, where's the last couple jobs been? Oh, you know, and if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? You know, those types of things. Um, That tells you a lot about a person. Yes, you know, (laughs) it's very important. I would be a willow. Very flexible, whisping in the wind. You would, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, moving on. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, 
changed over the years. I mean, there's been a lot of research that's basically said that structured interviews are more predictive of actual success on, on the job and, and more likely to, to find you better candidates or uh, better hires, that is. So, you know, of course, then there's this whole continuum of structured versus unstructured. You could kind of go to the really unstructured, oh, you know, you know anyone I know, all the way to, you know, you can't ask follow-up questions, you can only ask this question, you can't you know, do a lot of different things, um, which is tends to be very restrictive and often used in very highly litigious areas. But uh, there's kind of a sweet spot that you can determine um, of, you know, providing some questions, providing some opportunities for, for gathering more information, uh, but still giving them very specific, you know, competencies or things that you're trying to measure and making sure that the questions are relevant to the, to the actual role. Um, you know, that's all kind of, so structured interviews. And then, you know, obviously in the, in the last several years, behavioral-based interviews have become kind of the, the gold standard, meaning that you're asking people about past behaviors and asking them to explain, you know, what, what they did, what was the background, what, what did they actually do, and what was the result. Uh, that's been the, kind of the most common interview you'll see now out in, in industry, uh, regardless of that industry. So, you know, we'll be talking probably a lot about that and giving you a lot of ideas there on how to kind of be a good interviewer, interviewee, based around that behavioral-based interviewing, because it's kind of, as I said, the gold standard at this point and, and tends to be the most predictive. A lot of companies have in the past loved the like the thinking questions, especially if they have highly creative they need highly creative people, you know, how many basketballs can you fit in an airplane? How many women are pregnant right now in the in the United States? Um, how the heck are you supposed to know that? You, know, you just gotta start thinking, right? Fifty percent of the United States is, is female, so that means about fifty percent can be pregnant at one time. Given current thinking, maybe that's not true, but you know, you go through the, the motions of thinking through the logic and they want to see your logical reasoning. What did they find out? This was very famous at Google. They used these a lot and they basically found out it predicted nothing. Well, obviously. <laughs> so they... I can't even tell you how many people are pregnant in our office right now. <laughs> Four, seven, I don't know, 24. No, but, I mean, to Stephen's point, the predictive piece is really why it's the gold standard. I mean, if you pull back, I like to talk about this in interview training sometimes because people are maybe not all totally bought in and you say, well, what's the best indicator of how somebody's going to be on the job in the future? Obviously, we can't tell the future, so what do we have to go off of and kind of get them to say, you know, well, what about what they've done before? And that's true. I mean, barring being able to look into the future, how you've behaved in the past is our best indicator of how you're going to behave in the future. So if you can give me examples of things you've done in the past that overlap with what I'm going to need you to do on the job, that's, that's going to be your best indicator. Um, even if people don't necessarily see the relevance, hopefully you're asking questions that get at that underlying trait or that competency and, and pull it out and tell you if they're going to be able to do that uh, on the job if they get hired. So there is purpose. There's quite a bit, and it actually does work. So with that as the backbone, uh, Stephen and I have gone through a lot of these interview trainings or reviews, and so I think we'd like to just walk through the normal flow maybe of an interview from sort of start to finish and say sort of what from the applicant side they might want to hone in on versus what also uh, the interviewer might want to make sure they're doing. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Uh, well, I mean, the, the first part of any interview is I'm going to be the candidate, remember? So I'm going to give you tips and tricks on you know how to, to interview well as a candidate. And the, the first and probably the most important one I can give you is to be on time. 
be five minutes early. Yeah. Be right. ten minutes early. Right. Like, but, out in your car however, <laughs> do not be 30 minutes early. No. Well, if you are 30 minutes early, sit in your, in your car. car do nothing. Don't relax. go sit in the lobby and, and yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is like such good advice. <laughs> It's like five or 10 minutes early is okay. 20 or 30 minutes early is not. So just hang out in your car, do a little bit more preparation, maybe practice your hellos, whatever. Yeah. Well, and and, and Jacqueline just said it right there. The best predictor of future performance is past performance. So if you're late to the interview, the moment that person is thinking, well, they're probably going to be late to the job, right? And and that's already starting their first impression, which is very important as we talked about uh, in a negative light. And I'll also say from the employer side, um, I'm going to get into a little bit more detail, but when you get into things like biases and cognitive heuristics, uh, a little shortcuts your brain takes to give yourself a good idea of what a person is like, something like being late to a very important interview or a first impression is going to weigh really heavily and make it really hard for your interviewer not to be biased against you. Um, I've I've heard that when I do trainings where... um, I try to talk people out of being biased towards those who are late. And they give me a really good feedback where they say, if they can't be on time for this, that's really important. How are they going to be on an average Wednesday five years into the job? They're probably not going to be on time. And, I mean, it's not absolute, but it's hard to argue with. And uh, it's hard for people not to just see you as that guy who's late for a really important interview. So, read with Steven on both sides. We want you to be early. And is it equally important to... Um, dress appropriately, I would think. I mean, I to me, that's a no-brainer, but some people just don't but necessarily know. I think the important thing is to dress appropriately. Right, right. right. If you're going to interview for um, a job on a manufacturing floor, you probably don't need to wear a full suit. Yeah. But right. if you're going to an interview at like an investment bank type place, you need you need to wear your best suit. And if you're if you're talking to any type of recruiter or, or you're having any conversations along the way, just ask that person what's appropriate. They'll they'll always tell you what it is and, and what is going to be whatever makes you comfortable within that that range. I mean, clean, clean is, is always really good. important. Right? It doesn't matter if you can wear jeans and a t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. but jeans and a t-shirt that have paint all over them and a dirty right, rip right. is a whole different right. perspective. Uh, my my rule of thumb was always. I mean, I used to work at a staffing firm, so. You know, we kind of always, when people came in, looked at their clothes. I think the my standard was dress sort of a level above what the job is. Like that, yeah. I think that's a good rule of thumb. You go and look in a little nicer than you would normally look on a regular day at work. But again, as to Stephen's point, you can ask, and the the recruiter, interviewer, or whoever will be more than happy to tell you before you come in. Yeah, it's important. I mean, I, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about, uh, particularly from you know why you should do these things, like. You know, for me as a IO psychologist and Jacqueline, who's like studied all of this and said, you know, the clothing doesn't matter and the, you know, it doesn't matter. Just focus on the behaviors. But you know, Jacqueline and I have both done many interviewer trainings with people that are actually interviewing for these potential jobs. And it does matter to them. It 100% matters. And no matter how much we stand up in front of that room for two days and say, it's not important if they have tattoo sleeves, right? You know. They're thinking about that stuff. So, you know, again, nothing against tattoos, but, you know, maybe wear a long sleeve shirt if it's something that you, if a job you really want, right? Or, you know, if it's, maybe take the, you know, the the, the 
eyebrow piercing out if it's a job you really want. If if you say you know this is me and I you know I'm only going to go for jobs that accept me for who I am, that's fine. I don't have there's no problem. And there. and there are some out there. Yeah. But. Yeah. One of my best friends from uh, grad school has a nose ring, and she actually really battled with, well, do I really want to work somewhere that has a culture that wouldn't accept this? And I remember we settled on, no, ultimately not. But do you really want their first impression to be colored by that? Is it is it that important to you? And she just said no. Um, so maybe have that talk with yourself. If if it's going to make or break your ability to work there, fine. But I feel like the norm is is it's more people don't give it enough thought, maybe, or they get so caught up in being prepared in other ways that maybe they, they don't have time to find a, a good outfit to wear. So. Just add that to your list of, of ways to prep ahead of time because it definitely does matter from the employer perspective. I started with being on time, but I actually am going to take us a step back further now um, from the candidate and say, make sure you know who you're talking about. You know, there's a lot of, you know, if you're going to an organization, you should have looked. Everyone says, oh, we'll look online and those types of things. But I'm actually going to say you should very specifically be looking at the job description. The job description is going to tell you you need to do this, X, Y, and Z. It may even have some, like, core competencies that are important. Well, those core competencies are likely to end up as the interview. So whenever I was preparing for an interview, I would go look at the job description, try to kind of think of what they were looking for. And then I would start to think of stories that I had from maybe graduate school or my early working career of saying, you know, when was the time that I was, I I had a really tough problem to solve, right? You know, or when was the time that I did this? So that I had these things I had some, you know, notes in my head um, about the different questions or things that might happen or, you know, even Glassdoor, I don't necessarily encourage this, but sometimes people will put the questions out there in Glassdoor mm-hmm. and, you know, have some notes and thoughts in your head about the, the, the story you want to tell. Well, I have friends that they know what industry I'm in um, and they always ask for advice for interviews and I always tell them, be prepared for behavioral questions, you know, have some examples in your back pocket so you can tell them about a time where, you know, where you, you might have been late for work or you might have um, made a mistake on a project or uh, and how you rectified those problems. Yeah, I think that's all good advice um, from the employer side. Absolutely. If somebody comes in and this does happen pretty frequently, somebody comes in and says one of one of their questions as the applicant to the employer could be, well, what, what do you do here? What do you make, <laughs> make glass, right? So a question like that. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge turnoff to the employer. Yes, it's not a proper piece of the interview, but your motivation to work there then, in mm-hmm. my opinion, as the employer, just won't lay down. Right. Um, they're clearly not invested in us. So do a little bit of research, or at the very least, don't ask super basic questions like that in the interview. That's not the time to do it. The time to do that was maybe in a phone screen or online when you were applying, something like that. I mean, but you should know those things if you're applying anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just do your do your research. Um, I actually read a good tip, which was to, you know, set up Google alerts on your phone for like the company name so that, you know, up till a minute you're going into the interview, you have the latest news basically. Yeah, that's a great idea. Wasn't mine. I stole it. Be prepared. (laughs) Be on time. Be clean. Be clean. Appropriately dressed. You know, you start out there and you're starting out for success. (laughs) Yeah. So, just to piggyback off that, then I think it is a good time from the employer perspective to cover things like bias and characteristics. We, I, I cover quite a bit of this when we do interview training because it's absolutely, like Stephen said, the one that is hardest to break out of because it's going to be your natural habit. It's going to be your natural way of um, just sort of categorizing people. 
people. Uh, if you want to do more research, Tversky and Kahneman in 1974 actually wrote a really seminal article about heuristics uh, and the most common ones that people will face when they are meeting new people or in a new situation. Um, and it helps you better understand that it's not your fault, it's not you being prejudiced against people, it's just how the brain works to better categorize people and types and, and understand them better. But that really can come at a disadvantage when you're trying to introduce somebody um, because it can sort of cloud you from being able to understand what they're actually capable of because you're only seeing them through a lens that you've sort of pre-decided on. So um, just a couple of the most common ones that seem to resonate with people are the, the similar to me bias, mm-hmm. where someone comes in and for any particular reason they are similar to you in some kind of demographic, maybe it's you're both women or both have long hair or something really anything or maybe you're both from the same hometown and all of a sudden um you really are rooting for that person Mm -hmm. you know you see yourself in them you know what you're capable of so you kind of cast some of those good things on that person and that can lead to you kind of um having a halo effect over them where they can do no wrong or they're just lifted up a little bit where maybe they should have gotten a lower score to be more fair and then on the opposite uh say it's somebody who's five minutes late and that really no matter what you say from then on I'm interpreting it through the lens of somebody who is going to be five minutes late all the time I'm not going to like you as much it's going to be harder for you to impress me um you've just really set yourself up on the wrong foot so kind of that one-two punch where a don't be late (laughs) but b also for the employer don't let that lateness then skew everything um don't don't look at any one action as representative of that person as a whole good or bad those are the two that come up the most frequently. But definitely, for that applicant, know that you're you're going up against a normal person who's going to have these kinds of biases that we are going to try to train out of them, but it's, it's going to be there a little bit, probably, all the time. So do everything you can to reduce those biases or have them work in your favor. A friend of mine, we received some advice on how to, how to be good in an interview and how to really, you know pass an interview and, and the piece of advice that he received was to mirror the interviewer's behavior, right? So yep. know, the interviewer goes across their legs, you cross their <laughs> legs, it, you know, mirroring the behavior. Right. And the idea is, again, to make it look like you are very similar in your mannerisms and things, and it actually kind of goes to that halo effect. And it works. And right? it works, right? The research that, shows that people then present will be like, hey, that guy's... <laughs> Pretty stand-up interviewer. <laughs> yeah. Those mirroring behaviors work, but again, that's how fragile the state of these interviewer minds are, and not in a negative way. I mean, it's the same for, for myself when I'm doing interviews or everybody else, but so you really, you know, you just have to be careful about what you're saying and how you're presenting yourself because it, it can the littlest things can impact the end result uh, of a very important decision. Yeah, there's a reason that no matter how much somebody might gut their selection system or cut it down, I, I can't think of anybody who doesn't always at least have a quick interview because we really value face-to-face interaction, but we also deep down think we're really good judges of character. Right. I mean, you have yeah, yeah. You have to be careful with that too because of the old gut reaction. That's that's not necessarily or actually accurate at all. Interviews will probably never go away um, for reasons that are not super valid. We just like to see people and we like to interact with them so we try to add in as much validity as we can 
by making it consistent and making it behaviorally based instead of just let me, you know, get a feel for you and then right. see if I like you. Well, I mean, this is kind of, it's, it's topic related, but I was talking to my cousin over the 4th of July holiday about, um, he listened to our last podcast about turnover. He works in a manufacturing environment and he was talking about how terrible the turnover was there. And I was asking him questions like, what's your hiring process like? You know, just trying to, just trying to get in there. You were charging. <laughs> it was not, but I should though. Um, and he, and I asked him what their interview process was like. And he said for his role, cause he's a, like in a supervisory role, he went through like a four interview, pro- like four interviews in this process. But for people that are like hourly people on the floor, they're in there for like 15 minutes. And I was like, well, that's part of your problem, you know, cause the interview is important. And I mean, he doesn't really have any say over like how they do their interviews in the future. But I was like, oh, maybe you should talk to your your uh, yeah, your HR department about maybe putting some behavioral based questions in there, you know, that sort of thing, because those really do make a difference. Interviews, I mean, they, they are changing, right? And you're seeing technology coming in interviews. There's companies that are measuring micro expressions to understand whether or not someone will be a good employee. I don't What's, know. What is what is that? What is that? <laughs> tell, tell me about it's like the slightest raise of an eyebrow. Oh, okay. I mean, so it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I thought that's what it was, but I was like, that seems the weird. Is, they're very predictive of success. They haven't really bore any fruits from what I've seen yet. But I mean, the like that the interview's not really going anywhere. Um, it's all about trying to make the interview as valuable as valuable as possible, and that's what we focus on. So. Like we'll go in a company and they're like, oh, well, it's your interview pass rate. They're like, oh, that's like 99%. We're really proud of it. Like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it should be harder. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Or maybe don't do it. <laughs> or don't do it at all, right? I mean, if you're out there and your pass rate is 97% on your interview, start to think long and hard about all right. the resources you're spending. Right. You're you're, you're, you're <laughs> so using you a lot of time. Three out of every hundred people, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of time to spend just to kind of send everybody through the process. Like, Everybody gets a pass. And we did. And we had an. We had a company. It's a large automotive manufacturer that was basically said, you know, here's the interview we want to do. Unfortunately, it comes out with about ninety nine percent pass rate. We were taking over the process, and they said, well, I don't, I don't think we'll do the interview. And it was. It was kind of a battle, but in the end, they they said, yeah, you're right. It actually doesn't really make a lot of sense to have an interview at that point, kind of all the way at the end of the process, if it's not going to screen anybody out. The utility there is very important. So going back to your point that you made about like the mirroring behaviors, um, just another thing that I think people should think about is, and, you know, practicing and rehearsing might help this, but like, make sure that when you walk up, you're confident and your handshake, I think is super important. I don't know what you guys think about that, but to me, that's like a real mirror moment where you should like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely... maybe it, like it shouldn't be important, but it's something that will stand out. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like yeah. match, match the pressure of the handshake, <laughs> um, you know, make sure you're confident when you walk up. Yeah. I mean, again, we talk a lot about how that shouldn't be important, but, but it is. People think it is and yeah. Don't worry about the way that you speak or if you're not an elegant speaker or, you know, those types of things. I mean, just focus on being yourself and, and conveying yourself in the best way that you can, um, because that's really all that's important. And if you do practice, you know, practice these things that we're talking about with background, action, result. You know, when you talk about a behavioral based interview, it comes down to they're asking you what happened in the situation? What did you do, you specifically, and what was the result of it? Mm-hmm. So, if you're uncomfortable, if you're nervous, really practice those types of situations so you can give them background, that action, and the result, and 
you know, the nice thing is, is you kind of play the you play that bias back on them because if that's what they're looking for. They get so excited that you gave it to them without having to ask any follow-up questions. They don't care what they said in the middle of it. They don't really care what the answer was. It's like, oh my god, they got a great bar. <laughs> yeah. Their star was impeccable, right? And you know, it's like, oh, that's a that's a really high score. You could have said anything actually in the action. And from the employer perspective, you should absolutely be writing everything down. Um, Every? Well, all of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> we don't write down anything irrelevant to your interview question, um, such as personal information or anything like that. No, but take notes on the important stuff. Yeah, take notes because that will also help reduce your bias, right? If, if it's someone that maybe you have a clouded judgment about, if you write down their objective words, and especially if you, you know, go back after, go to score it, and you can see it clearly written down without that judgment clouding it, um, that definitely has been helpful for me, I've noticed. I, I try not to make final ratings right away on anybody because I like to go back and see, um, you know, their charisma aside or their, you know, their good jokes aside, what did they actually do? And, I don't know, you'd be surprised at I mean, things, you know? good jokes are pretty important. It always ends up, yeah, they, they get a little bit of a bump, but no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you should always be writing it down. It helps not only for legality, for for why you hired them. It's good to be able to point back to why they got certain scores related to that interview. But it's also just good practice to be a more objective judge. Cool. Do you want to touch on social media? Because <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely the most lively topic that I encounter when I give interview trainings, when I tell the future interviewers don't look your people up on social media. And they go, well, 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 come on. There was actually... It's public, and they want me I to mean, see it. they put it out there. Yeah. Like, they just... Allie, Allie just wrote... They just published a blog today that Allie wrote about using, like, outside data um, for decisions in the hiring process. And social media was in that list of things that you are not... You should not look at. You should not. I will be honest. They do. It, it gets <laughs> yeah. harder and harder to give that it, it sort of lecture to an actual group of people, and they kind of just look at you like, you know, they want to buy into it, and they don't buy into that part because it gives them a lot of information. People like information. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can it can really seem like a good resource, but I come back to the consistency piece. If you can't see every single interviewer's Facebook or private information that you shouldn't be looking at anybody's because you're using incomplete data, you're using unfair levels of data across people. Well, and in the blog, which the title I can't remember right now, but just go to Select Perspectives on our selectinternational.com site and you'll see it there. But, um, the you know, she points out, like, how far are they going back, too? It's like, you know, social media has been around for, what, 10, 15 years now? So you could conceivably go back to somebody's like high school days on Facebook and do you really like is that really a good indicator of how they're going to act as like a 30 year old yeah. no oh yeah and, like my favorite is you know, they'll find any reason to say well it's job relevant well you know it really gets their decision making it doesn't yeah I don't know what happened 15 years ago is all about decision-making. <laughs> but then again, Stephen, as the applicant side, do you have any tips on what a person should do if they are actively job searching? Lock maybe, it maybe down. Maybe tone it down. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> honestly, if you're actively... Lock it down. 
try to find me on social media, you know, you'd find my LinkedIn. It's, it's about as updated as Select makes me make it. Um, but I really, you should have it locked down. Obviously, if anyone from a, a potential company asks to be your friend or connection or whatever it is, it does not behoove you to say yes. It is not a... Open... I mean, well, and let's be clear. LinkedIn is something that's supposed to be professional. So yeah, LinkedIn is fine. True. All the other, like, more social social media, no. Yeah. So I, I would lock it all down. Obviously, you know, if there's pictures of you, things like that. <laughs> Do you even know what you're saying since you don't have any? No, I don't have any idea. You said lock it down. I said lock it down. I said private. I do know that I said lock it down. That was me. Steve Sorry. so afraid of being tracked by somebody. He doesn't want anybody seeing the keg stands that he did in college or whatever. Which is cool, whatever. Yeah. You know, it, I I got off Lock Facebook before they had the facial recognition that would be able to like auto tag yeah. to, to pictures. You're off the grid. Oh gosh, man, that was <laughs> at that moment it became. I was like, oh, what are they? What else are they using this facial recognition? Well, they're using a lot of stuff for a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. One and day what, they're gonna get you. You're gonna be their their biggest get. You're going to pop up out of nowhere. You're going to be like, this guy exists. I'll have a job, though, because nobody can find any dirt on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we as professionals will keep hammering home to interviewers that they should not be looking at social media. But please know there's only so much we can do. And you you might get looked at. So Lock it down. I mean, honestly, let's, <laughs> let's be clear here, though. Even as professionals, like, we've had, I've gotten emails from, like, my director, not not my current one, that was like, oh, my gosh, have you seen this? Of candidates that we were about to hire that were, like, weird, you know, YouTube videos that they were out there of, uh, you know, a certain candidate. And, I mean, it didn't provide a very positive light. I'm not saying we didn't hire him. We did extend an offer still, and we were like, but we did start to get worried about who we were bringing into the organization. Was it Jacqueline? Slipped <laughs> through. This person declined our offer. Oh, okay. A nice uh, mutual non-fit. I would say to continue our linear train mm-hmm. from showing up on time and dressing appropriately to asking behaviorally-based questions uh, as the employer. I, I like to remind people that you shouldn't punish the applicant for not being able to come up with an answer. I think especially in those tight interviews where maybe you can only ask a couple questions, you, you know, you have these behaviorally, uh, these behavioral scales, or, or maybe you're, you're looking for that background and action and result, and the person kind of stalls out, or they don't have a good example, or they don't understand what you're asking. That's not a zero. That's not a that's not a pass on that person. Um, if anything, that should be good motivation for you to figure out what you need to do to get that answer out of the person. Um, it's it's not really a time to see how good they are under pressure or something like that. That's not what you're trying to measure in an interview. You're just trying to get at those competencies. So if the way you were trained or the way you have written doesn't work, that doesn't mean that this person isn't a good candidate. It means do your best to work with them change the question up a little bit, maybe let them give you a school example if they can't think of a word for it or something like that. Um, and and use that as an opportunity to show your flexibility and show that your culture is not one that is just going to write this person off. Um, because I think a lot of people, especially when you start out, they want to be really hard and they want to be really severe in their ratings and they don't want to give a lot of leniency. But 
I mean, the interview is scary enough. I, I do not think the employer needs to make it scarier. Be, be kind and, and understand that and be flexible. Right. It's already, you're already anxious enough as a candidate, as yeah. an applicant. When you can't think of, like, an example right off the top of your head at that time, it's it's scary and you're nervous and... Compounds you know. on itself. It really. does. It does. Like as a person, like I myself, if I blank out, like I just get even blanker. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. So. Yeah, I always say in the in interview workshops that it's the responsibility of the interviewer to get the information that they need. You know, you're the professional interviewer at that point. Uh, this is hopefully not a professional interviewee. This is something. <laughs> isn't doing this very often. Yeah, it's not impressive to stump a nervous person. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it's like, it's your goal to get the information that you need. And and as a a candidate, you know, take your time. Don't worry if you have to sit, take a a couple deep breaths, say to them, hey, could I get one minute just to think about this? They will inevitably say yes, it's not a problem. And really focus on answering the question that they gave you. Because if you go off talking about something completely unrelated um, just to be able to speak, then you are going to get rated poorly. Um, So really take your time, focus on what they're asking you and, you know, answer the question appropriately, even if it takes a little bit longer because it'll it'll pay off for you in the long run. If you're a nervous person, it's okay to go in there with a notepad with a few notes or questions jotted down. That's okay. You can do that. And also if you're a nervous person, that gives you a chance to like, break that eye contact for a second if you need like a minute like you glance down and you can look back up and maybe that'll make you relax a little bit yeah and it shows that you care yeah i mean don't have your face in a notebook but right right like that's absolutely you can glance down at it but don't like study it (laughs) (laughs) i think that also gets to an overarching piece that employers need to think about more than ever now and that's the candidate experience that's a buzzwordy phrase that we throw uh-huh. around a lot but I think it's most true in the interview because you are now as the interviewer the face of the company um, you are you are what that person is going to think of when they think of is this a, a place I would want to work at you're all they have to go on uh, so far so keep that in mind I if you are working if, if you are employing people in America right now you are probably desperate for employees so you, you want to give people a good impression you don't want them to opt out because of your interview. So, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, be motivated to have this person work out. That said, don't leave them to the right answers. Don't, you know, just give them high scores because you need to fill jobs. But keep their experience in mind. Yeah, the candidate experience is, is very important. And, and for the candidate, you know, this is your opportunity to learn more about the role, about the organization, um, I, I'm not saying you have to come in and ask 100 questions, whatever you're comfortable with, but I, I like when I'm interviewing and somebody says to me, you know, what's your favorite thing about this company or this job? Uh, walk me through a day in the life of what I would be doing in this role. Um, even to, what's the thing that you like the least about this? Because I don't have any problem with giving somebody a realistic expectation of what they can expect in this role. Somebody were to say to me right now, my job, you know, what are the things that you do and don't like? You know, I'd, I'd be open to tell them exactly what, because I don't want somebody to come into the role and, and not in, and have me think that I gave this rosy perspective when it, uh, there were these really glaring kind of issues or things like that. So learn, take that time, 
they're going to be selling you, you're selling them, but ask the questions that are important to you. Make sure that you come out of there feeling really comfortable that if you are progressed to the next stage, which is usually often be a, a, an offer, that you're making, you have all the information you need to be able to make the right decision on that offer. Okay, so I know a lot of people probably have a question that's similar to this. Um, if an interviewer brings up your current salary or what salary you're looking for, what should a candidate say in that situation? As long as we're talking about questions. <laughs> Add zero. Add four zeros. Yeah. That's a good question. I, what are your salary expectations or that type yeah, of question? Yeah. Or, or if they say like, oh, what are you making now? I would I would put it back. I would always put it back on every company. Mm-hmm. Say, well, you know, I, I, I have... I would say that my salary expectations are flexible given the right role and, and, and the right corporate culture for me to be in. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not pegging everything specifically to the dollar, so uh, I'm more flexible in that regard as long as other areas of the, the role and compensation package are in line with what I would want. That's a good answer. I think Sornet became illegal recently to do that. It's, it, is, it is looking to get, uh, it's not illegal yet. And conversely, as a candidate, you probably shouldn't walk in there and be like, what is this pay? No, but well, if you don't know by that point, I don't think it's the, if you're all the way through the end of the interview and you have no idea what this job's pay is, I think it's fair. I mean, I don't think it, if you're going through a phone screen and it's the first time right, that I right. talk to you, then like, yeah, don't, don't bring up pay. But I do think. If you're in your first or second, even. If you interview. know this is the final interview, yeah. again, it's about having that information to know without the offers. But yeah. It's important that you have that information. So if you're all the way at the end of the the hiring process and, and you have get, been given no indication, I think it's it's reasonable to say, you know, what's the expected range of salary for, for, some, for this type of role or for someone with my experience or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. Don't expect them to peg a number to you because right. oftentimes they can't yeah. at that time. But range really opens it up. Yeah, and let yeah. them give you a range because I think if you're all the way to the end there, that's fine. Again, if you're in your, the first time you're ever talking to someone or it's really early in the process, don't come in asking for, you know. Don't come in blazing. Like. <laughs> but also, if it's not a highly specialized or technical role, if it's a pretty common one, you can get estimates online right. these days yeah. fairly easily. The range may be a bit wide, uh, but I feel like you can peg it down. And if it's a more entry-level or manufacturing role, they almost always include that uh, right at the start right. as, as an incentive to apply. And at that point, you might then just ask about... Um, do you have any other incentives for, mm-hmm. for new hires? Things like starting bonuses or um, quick advancement. Those are always appropriate to ask. I really think of that. If you're in that final interview, you shouldn't be asking anything that's important for your decision making for, you know, 401k matching or if that, you know, those yeah. sorts of things that I think are all on the board. One thing that I, I would agree slash offered to do this, uh, this podcast as a perpetuation of my crusade against a single question that candidates ask. I'm so excited. What is it? Candidates ask. Oh, wait, let's guess. I don't even know. Vacation. How much vacation do I get? That's a bad one. You might want to wait on vacation because it's like, oh, this person doesn't even want to work now. But no, I'm good with that. I would tell people. How soon can I have your job? Hmm, That would be weird. (laughs) Don't ask that one, but it's not my crusade. Okay, what is it? My crusade is against this question. So Jacqueline's interviewing me. We get to the end of the interview and I look at Jacqueline and I say, so... I just have one question. Is there anything that I've told you today that would keep me from getting this job? Oh. That's kind of a, that's a bold question. People ask that? Yes. Or, you know, what, 
you know, I mean, how did I like, do? How did I do? No, no, they'll they ask it because you can't. Everyone says not to ask the how do I do. It's the is there anything that you've learned today that would say that I'm not a good fit for this role or that I would not get this position? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. creepy. And, I know, almost said that same word. <laughs> we share a brain. So and, I, and I hear this a lot from trainings that I do, but I also, I hear it a lot in the interviews that I do. I, I got it recently from a, a, just last week from somebody. And, you know, I gave the stock answer of, well, you know, I, I, I've taken notes and I've reviewed everything, but I don't have any, I, I haven't actually made any formulations or I have to communicate with the other people in the group or, you know, whatever I'm going to say at that point. I'm, I'm going to not give them the answer. Yeah. But the overriding thing of what they've done is made me uncomfortable and right. somewhat angry. And now I'm rating them. <laughs> and then the biases come marching back in. Yeah, and I can't stop that. And it's, it's just, it's a terrible idea to leave your interviewer feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. By it. Um, so if you're out there, if there's some other podcast telling you, because I, I feel like it's happened more and more in, in recent years, if there's something saying, you know, make sure to ask this question. It makes you seem like you're really open to feedback no. or something. No, it makes you seem aggressive and weird. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I could see people being told that that's a positive thing to do, right? But, but you're open to feedback. Not. And you said, I don't know what the, the rationale is, but I will tell you, nobody likes being asked that question. No. Well, and any company that has a, a structured interview process like this has likely also been trained on the legality of things and there's no way they're going to open themselves up to saying this is yes, why we wouldn't hire now. you mm-hmm. yeah. yeah or even giving any kind of indication yet that we train people um, extensively not to do that so no matter how you phrase it nobody's going to tell you that you're like Stephen said you're just leaving on a sour note then yeah so <laughs> coming off of that what are some good questions to ask at the end Good question. Well, There's definitely good ways to lead the interview for both sides. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I like the question of, like, walk me through a day in the life. You know, mm-hmm. just trying to get a more realistic perspective of what that is, favorite things, least favorite things about working here. I mean, what do you, one, I think that it's good is, like, and maybe a different way to ask this question is, like, what do you think a successful person in this role looks like? Uh-huh. Like, those are all really good questions that kind of help you get good information. But they don't put anybody at, uh, at, at odds with, you know, right, right. jump through hoops to make sure they don't say the wrong thing. Yeah, I'd say from the employer side, you're usually happy to answer anything that seems important to the person as mm-hmm. long as it's job related. If as long as it's not that question that Stephen asked. Exactly, yeah. If it's, if it's heavily <laughs> side related, things about vacation, things about time off, things about yeah. um, just those kind of fringy things that aren't core about the job, I guess it's okay to ask them, but don't only ask questions. That. Yeah, I think it seems like it's more than, than just that that you're interested in, um, and definitely asking the interviewer about their own uh, experiences on the job is helpful. Again, kind of for those biases too, right? People like talking about themselves; they like talking about their own experiences. Uh-huh. Let them tell you, share a little bit about themselves. They'll feel closer to you, and maybe you'll get a little bit of a boost there. Yeah. I saw a couple questions that I thought were interesting and I never would have thought to ask them. One was, what have previous employees in this role gone on to do? I thought was an interesting question. That's a good one, too. Which I guess some people kind of get put off by, like, the, you know, what are my opportunities for advancement? Right, right. Same question. Just phrased differently. differently. Yeah. And another one was, um, what does success mean to you and to the company? Which I thought was, you know, a decent question because success means different things to different people. I don't know. Now that I'm reading I mean, it again, I'm like a, 
No, I think that that's a good <laughs> chance for you to hear from the interviewer mm-hmm. some of those core values. Right, again, right. Because that's probably what they'll go to, right? Right. They'll, they'll talk about the philosophy of the company or right. what really motivates them. So it's a good chance to see It's that It's a good chance to see if you have a motivational fit for them. Exactly. My last piece of advice, I think, and this is, this is again, a, I don't have any research. And a lot of things that we've been talking about, Jacqueline and I, there were research studies or things to, to kind of back up this. This is, a, again, a personal opinion, but one that I've seen, talking a lot with my brother who's been interviewing, and my brother's been a salesperson for, man, going on probably 15 years, right? Different companies and things like that. And, and he really wants to get into a management role. So he'll call me, hey, what do I, you know, again, I'm I'm Mr. Job Guy. I know all this stuff. So what am I going to do and how do I do it? And, and, and I've always found that his big issue is he walks in there like a salesperson. And he's and there's a definite <laughs> swagger to a salesperson. Well, and he, you know, he, he, he's we like, know a salesperson from a mile away. Like, well, I'm going to start with like, well, as you know, I'm the two time shark winner. And I'm like, well, <laughs> no, you don't care. Wait, like, what? He went on Shark Tank? No, like he some, he some killed sh- two sharks. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Some, this organization has some <laughs> shark thing. Because if you went like, on Shark Tank, you should lead with that. Yeah, <laughs> true. Twice. True. Yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things, and I said, well. Do they know what a shark thing is? And he's like, yeah. They, the Obviously they, not. They, because... they gave it to me. Oh, okay. And I was like, well, then why are you telling them that you did that? He's like, well, I got to sell myself. I was like, no. Like, that's a salesperson perspective. You're going for a manager role. Like, walk in there like as a poised individual who would be like a manager, not a salesperson. Right? It it's comes back to like, focus on the job that you're applying for. Right? And, and, and try to really think about what are the characteristics or what are the things that are important for that role and present that to them, right? Mm-hmm. Don't present yourself as a salesperson because they're just looking back at you going, oh, that's a good salesperson. Maybe you should just keep doing that role. Whereas like if he comes in and, you know, presents himself as a manager with, you know, poise and, and kind of thinking through the comments and not being overly gregarious and things like that, then maybe, you know, they would have looked at him slightly differently. And so it's like, don't try too hard. Focus on what job you actually want. Don't walk in there with, like, two dead sharks on hooks. That's right. Your trophies and, yeah. you're like, you know, reading your objective statement. Who needs an objective statement? What, your objective is to get a job. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I always wondered about that objective on the, the old resume. It's like, well, my objective is to get a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. And enjoy every day at work. Not hate everything. Yeah, that's a tough job. But I guess back to closing from the employer side, you can also do some things uh, more right than wrong. So you definitely don't want to give them any idea uh, of how they did. I mean, they're going to know how they did probably. (laughs) But if somebody does ask that dreaded, how did I do? Do you have any feedback for me for my next interview? I'm just trying to learn anything like that. You can absolutely just deflect. I mean, they don't uh-huh. know what your background process is. They don't know. I mean, they won't know if you're telling a little bit of a fib of, well, I just collected. I, I really was just taking notes right now. I don't have any scores associated with it yet. Or, well, I just give the scores to my colleague and then they score it. Uh, you know, a little white lie there to get you out of an uncomfortable situation is fine. If you know the next steps, feel free to share those. Um, that's definitely helpful. You don't want somebody waiting for three weeks, but... Don't share any more information than you're supposed to. Or if you're uncomfortable, even just an honest, I'm sorry, we don't share that yet. It's, it's fine. You don't have to explain yourself away. 
it's definitely a little more intense when when I've noticed when we do trainings. I never expected that to be so hard for people. They will get through all of the scripted questions because it's written down, and then we'll we'll guide them through like, okay, just close the interview, follow these guidelines. But the minute somebody goes off script, they kind of panic, and the interviewer just tries to like it's almost like they feel bad and people uh-huh. just talk it through and they're like, well, we've only let you know, but I'm really not supposed to tell you where yet, but you you did good, and I'm like, no, don't say that. <laughs> Um, because people want to be nice to each other and, and they want to put each other at ease. So just kind of deflect, um, end it as, as quickly as possible and, um, answer any questions that the person might have and just get them on out of there. Well, get them on out of there. <laughs> like, you know, in a Shoo nice, them out. you can walk them. Lock to, it down. You can walk them to the door. Kick or, them out and lock it down. <laughs> you can show them to the door or, you know, whatever the... The appropriate thing in a polite way. You are. Um, <laughs> don't do what one of my one of my interview workshop candidates or uh, individuals says he does, and how he makes his final determination, which is walk them to their car. Oh, so that he can look inside. No, <laughs> no, and see if it's clean or dirty. Oh man, I would have never yeah, ever we, gotten hired we anywhere. Cover some of the very <laughs> appropriate things we've heard people do yes yes please that one was me that was one of my favorites but i i got some others so i would never have gotten hired anywhere (laughs) um i heard one lady this was in the south if the person doesn't offer to pull her chair out she automatically doesn't consider them what Mm -hmm. because they're not a gentleman Oh my gosh, that is so southern. <laughs> it's so southern. I hope I trained that out of her, but who knows? <laughs> I uh, have a very similar one where the one individual would purposely drop something on the floor, and if the person did not pick it up, then they were not. They weren't a team player. Because what you want to do in an interview in front of people is bend over. No, you don't. You don't want to bend over in front of strangers. Supremely inappropriate. Yeah. Hundred reasons. So yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I also have heard of one organization who widespread across many facilities around the country was asking, what is your, what, no, 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 what, it's so weird. What book would you be if you were a book and why? Apparently got it like creativity and knowledge of books, which are not not relevant. (laughs) Um, Oftentimes you will find this if you have kind of, individuals that are coming internationally and doing interview in the United States because in the United States we obviously we didn't talk about this but there's very strict laws around what you can and cannot ask in an interview if you don't know if you're doing interviews and you don't know these laws go talk to your local (laughs) HR or legal staff to 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 cover them yeah very important but you'll get a lot of questions you know one guy I guess just for weeks was saying you know, how do you plan to make it to work on time with four children or two Oh, children yeah, that's, Ill- that's illegal. Illegal for like two <laughs> Yeah. So that's a bad one. Don't <laughs> ask that one. Or the other one was, do you have a car and will you be able to get to work on time? That's also not one. Yeah, that one was closer. He got closer to it. Like, mm-hmm. you can ask the question, work starts at 8 a.m. every day. Do you have a reasonable transportation right. to arrive at work? Yes, reliable transportation is okay. Do you have a car? Is not. (laughs) (laughs) We love that sound effect. So, if any of these sound eerily similar to your current standards Mm -hmm. for interviewing, Mm -hmm. that's a bad sign. And you should consider a revamp or some training. 
You know, and, and the interesting one that we talk about less often is we work a lot in like manufacturing and things, but uh, happens a lot here at Select is at professional hires. If you're doing more like, you know, if you're hired on as a consultant at Select, often you'll go to dinner the night before just as kind of, you know, a, here's Pittsburgh, how do you do type of meeting. Well, like, you would be very careful that conversation and how that goes because, you know, just normal small talk with some random person can all of a sudden go down into a lot of illegal paths. I've like, been in some weird conversations in those dinners. <laughs> yeah. Because you're trying I'm to not going to say why, where, who, when. <laughs> Off air, I can tell you. But I have been in some weird conversations yeah. during, like, the, the you know, the, the dinner the night before or after. Rats, I should have looked them up on social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird things happen sometimes. Yeah, so both from the employee... I'm just going to say, it's not always the applicant. The employee, All right, fair enough. From the employer and the employee perspective, be very careful about what you're talking about and saying in those those dinners. I, I remember I was... We, it doesn't even have to be the dinner. I mean, we take candidates out to lunch right. sometimes, and it'll just be, you know, some group... I remember this one candidate. We're sitting there at the, at lunch, and we're just having a conversation. And she goes, "Oh yeah, I mean, I always forget stuff, and like I I make so many stupid little mistakes all the time." And <laughs> not just, the best thing like, to say. It's like, oh, you know, it's weird because we're hiring uh, this job. really important to this job is attention to detail. So, um, <laughs> you know, like just remember after the interview or whatever, you didn't just like all of a sudden stop being considered for this position everything about that is is part of the, the, mm-hmm. the process any tips or recommendations for after the interview and maybe that's one of the last steps do you reach out to the employer or do you do any sort of thank you follow-up i mean i say always yes i agree i i hate the fact that you have to do it like i think it's ridiculous <laughs> i do i think it's stupid yeah but it, you have to yeah at this point if you don't, if, if it doesn't win you anything, but if you don't do it, then you may lose a point or two. Yeah. So it's a simple thank you for your time. Really enjoyed the experience. Mm-hmm. Hope to hear from you soon. And it doesn't have to be long. Nope. You don't. It can don't be. It can order, be an email. Uh, don't order pizzas oh, and have them sent. Oh my god! I forgot about that story. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So we had one individual who interviewed at a at a company. <laughs> So the individual was interviewed for a role and um, unfortunately, you know, they did not receive the role, but uh, about a a day after that interview, they sent a pizza to our office and and not just any pizza. Uh, It was a, it was like a, it was like pineapple and and banana pepper, banana peppers and something. It was very odd, which I think was part of the, the panache of it. The, the, the <laughs> and the funny thing was the person that had did the phone interview with him wasn't even in the office. No. Like, they work remotely. So we get this pizza with, like, two weird toppings on it from some person who interviewed, like, phone interviewed, like, you know, the day before or whatever. And we were like, what the heck? That is so weird. Yeah, it did not go over well. It didn't. Um, no. And how many people are in the office on a given day? Like forty. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pizza was yeah, like four, one pizza. One pizza. One yeah. It was. Pizza. Like, it was just addressed to Select International too. It was, it was like, well, thanks for that one pizza. And, and by the means, I'm just like, 
there's no need to like try to bribe. No, no. Just, just send a well. send a thank you email or a nice handwritten note. That's yep. all you need to do. No pizzas, not a fruit basket, not a thing of Stefanelli sponge candy, <laughs> even though it's delicious in the winter, by the way. A thank you note, digital or analog, whichever suits you fine. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Keep it simple. <laughs> Don't stand out for the wrong reason. No, no. I mean, we'll never forget that. And that's not because they work here. Nope. It's because they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have anything else we need to cover? Did we skip anything? Do we miss anything? Do you want to talk about anything else? I think that we should do one practice interview question. Okay. I will be the interviewer and Jacqueline will be the interviewer. That sounds great. So that we can understand some of the things. And what I will be doing is kind of at certain points stopping her. From the mind of an interviewer to understand kind of where she's going right and where she's maybe not. This is going to be fun. Right. Okay. All right. So tell me about a complex problem that you had to solve recently at work. Oh, gosh, that's that's hard because I feel like I'm literally always solving complex problems. <laughs> <laughs> literally always. It's not helpful, right? They're looking for a very specific event. They want to hear one time that you solved a complex problem. So, carry on. Alright, well, the other day we were brainstorming... <laughs> we? Is, are they hiring many people? Is this a group interview? How many people are being hired today? Make They're sure really to focus harsh. on what you are doing. No, Stephen's tough. <laughs> Make sure to focus on what you did, how you saw the experience. Everything should be in the I and me form. This is your time to not be a team player. Well, in that case, I think uh, if I was solving a complex problem, first I would, I would probably. Oh. That's not a specific example of a past <laughs> behavior. Those were actually would or should, which are called situational questions. You're not actually what you would or should do. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. It's what, it's what you did, did do. Or what you did, what did happen. Why don't we try this again? How did she get a job here? I don't know. She's terrible. She's terrible. <laughs> a good perseverance. <laughs> All right. One more shot at that. Give me a time that you recently solved a complex problem at work. Okay. Well, about a week ago, one of my clients had an issue with their server going down. So I went online and I talked to our software engineer. And we worked through the problem together, and by the end of it, we were able to figure out what went wrong. There was a piece of code that had gone wrong, and uh, we troubleshooted through it. We fixed it. I got in touch with the client, and they were happy that we were able to get it solved in one day. All right. Very good. You might have even been able to give a little bit more background about like what you did in that conversation with the software engineer, but a perfect example of giving some of that background, the action of what you specifically did. And how that resulted. Yeah, and if Stephen was a stronger interviewer, he might have been able to probe, and it would have been... (laughs) (laughs) Moving on now, moving on. (laughs) If Stephen wasn't terrible at interviewing, that would have gone smoother. Yeah. More smoothly. Is that it? Is that all all you guys got? That's it. So do you have any questions? Um, No, I think think we did a good job today. (laughs) I think we're great. Yep. Do we, Can I have another one of the good games? Yeah, yeah. Do we want to end on a travel story? Does anybody have any travel stories? I do have a follow-up for you. Remember we talked about travel and you talked about wanting to eat food? Mm-hmm. 
like in the very first podcast episode, if you haven't listened to it, go back, listen to it. Uh, Jacqueline talked about going to, were you in Indiana yeah. with Steven mm-hmm. and eating strawberry pretzel salad? And of course, I was back home this past week and we definitely had strawberry pretzel yes. salad and it was delicious. My aunt makes it and it's awesome. I will tell you one of my favorite travel stories. Okay. Okay. So we travel around for Select International as a consultant. It has to do with a lot of planes, trains, and automobiles. And we fly to major airports and then draw and then fly to them smaller airport and then drive two hours from said smaller airport. So there's a lot of travel time and things and a lot of time to discuss. And so me and another consultant were discussing a food challenge. And we were talking about, you know, let's do, you know, we're, we should try to do a food challenge, what should we do? And he started to explain all these food challenges he'd done. And so we were driving back to Chicago and we were, I started looking up like food places, right? Mm-hmm. You know, places that you could eat the, you know, giant pancakes to get a, a t-shirt or something. Was it Paul? Oh yeah. It was Paul. Yeah. And anything that has to do with eating copious amounts of food. Yeah. So my, there's two parts to this that really, that I really enjoyed. The first one was that we found this place. It was like a two pound burger plus a pound of French fries. And if you ate it all, you got, you got a t-shirt. <laughs> and the best part was, I was like, if it's you not how eat that works. the whole thing, I was like, if you eat the whole thing, I'll pay for the meal. But if you don't, you have to pay for it. I mean, neither of us are paying for it. It was like, it was client travel. <laughs> So he's like, yeah, deal. So we're at this, like... So it's, it's really a fight over who expenses it. Yeah. Okay. We're at this, like, <laughs> Radisson in, like, restaurant in their lobby, ordering this 25-pound... No. Or not 25, $25, dollar, you know, two-pound hamburger that he's going to try to eat. Mm-hmm. And so she goes around the table, and she's like, oh, what would you like? I'm like, oh, I'll have a chicken sandwich. And then they go to the next guy. And the next guy's like, oh... Do you have, I'll just have the vegetable pasta, and is there any good wines that go with that? And we both just look at them like, they have a two-pound hamburger. What do you mean, do there any good wines that go with the vegetable pasta? Like, it's not that kind of place. It's not that kind of place. And I mean, I just couldn't stop laughing all the way through watching Paul try to eat two pounds worth of meat. And ended up with the meat sweats. And did he get sweat. through it? No, he did not. He didn't. He was, How far did he get? He was three quarters of the way through and yeah. he gave up. And he was like, I was kind of disappointed, but he said there was a 0% chance he was finishing, so he was just stopping right there. Mm. Well, I'm disappointed. Usually he, he can take it down. Yeah, he usually can. Yeah. My opinion of him is now significantly diminished. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was. What a horrible. wimp. <laughs> what a quitter. <laughs> I think that we should redo that. Let's just make a two-pound hamburger and make him eat it. When's his next anniversary at work? Oh, that's a good question. We should figure that out. We, tried to, we did a food challenge once at Fun Day, too. Oh, wow. Where people had to eat a pie. Remember the pie? I wasn't here that year there for Fun Day. There was, yeah. It was, like, like, the only Fun Day I ever missed, and I missed some something like, great. As per usual, like, the smallest person in the office wanted to just <laughs> smoke that pie. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Was, and they were, like... They were like peanut butter cream. Like they were thick. Yeah. Pies. It was not like, you know, pie eating contest pies. <laughs> All right. I think we're done, guys. Thanks so much. Um, I just want to um, make sure everybody knows that we have good blogs. We talked about one earlier today about the finding other data to use in your hiring 
process, which isn't probably great, that was released today, um, which won't be the day that you listen to this podcast. But if you go to www.selectinternational.com and go to our blog uh, page, uh, you can find all of our blogs there. Um, we have Select Perspectives, which is general blog, Safety Perspectives, which is all safety related, and then Healthcare Perspectives. And then um, if you have any questions or you want to talk to us, chat with us, whatever, you can email us at, email us at podcast.selectintl.com. And uh, just a reminder, um, if you're listening to this on our website, you can actually um, listen on the SoundCloud app, on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, just search Select Radio Podcast. And if you're feeling good about what you heard, throw us a rating. Hopefully it's five stars. I think that's it. So thanks, Jacqueline and Steven. I have one more thing. Oh, shoot. Here we go. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's that? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Who? <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>